0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, the Seattle Seahawks. They're coming off that loss to the Minnesota Vikings. But, you know, we have a game to look forward to. It is the 49ers coming up on Sunday, and this is a game we can all always get up for. So joining me here, and and we're probably going to go back and forth on this because this will probably go out on the Niners Nation feed. It's going to go out on the Field Goals feed. Joining
1: me to talk about this upcoming game, Rob Stats Guerrera. Welcome back. I feel like I need to shower here coming on a Field <laughs> Gulls podcast. Like, can you wait a few minutes just to let me get a quick rinse in? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it kind of, it's it's a, a
0: mutual situation. You know, we could start this off talking about some mutual news, though, because Richard Sherman, he's a guy that could probably help both our teams, and it turns out he's going to Tampa to play with Tom Brady.
1: I'm not that upset by this because personally, I remember the last time I saw Richard Sherman on the field and he did not look very good at all. And guys that are his age with his injury history generally do not suddenly look better. Um, but I was surprised to hear him say that he had a lot of talks with the Seahawks because I thought there were some old wounds there that had still had yet to heal, especially between he and Russell Wilson.
0: You know, I, as much as that got played up, I don't know if there was any kind of bad blood left between them. I, I feel like the biggest thing that we got from the Richard Sherman uh, thing with Russell Wilson was that uh, he told him that he sucked out on the practice field one time. <laughs> and, you know, coming from Richard Sherman, like that
1: does that seem all that weird? No. I mean, that's true to character for him. It's Although, you know
0: what? you You saw a very different Richard Sherman than I felt like we saw in Seattle because he was always talking up Jimmy Garoppolo and he, he, he seemed like a very supportive teammate down there in uh, San Francisco.
1: Yeah, you got prime Richard Sherman. You mad, bro. We got Uncle Sherm, who was, you know, coaching up the rookies and talking up Jimmy Garoppolo and telling Jimmy Garoppolo about certain tells that he had as a quarterback. So we got Uncle Sherm. You You did not get that.
0: I felt like if he came back to Seattle, we would be getting the Uncle Sherm version, though, and I, I wouldn't have been all that upset about it, especially considering what we've seen from our corners. You say that he's he's slowed down and you don't remember him you know, like he was in his prime, but uh, I think that's still better than what we've been watching uh, with Trey Flowers out at, at Corner for Seattle.
1: Well, Trey Flowers said something, and I wanted to ask you about it because obviously the 49ers offense has been struggling. So I'm all for playing teams whose corners are struggling. But he essentially said that he still had questions about what to do. He said, it's a schematic thing. I feel like I've got my own questions to ask. He said, there's confusion among some guys on how to defend certain routes. It's all going to be an easy fix once we all get on the same page. Like, Trey, it's week four. You're not on the same page yet. Well, and this
0: is kind of unusual because I feel like, uh, well, this has been the first time that the Seahawks haven't played their starters in preseason. And so for them to kind of be working through these things now, these veterans are never going to have a preseason off again. If this is the way they're talking after (laughs) three regular season games, I'm sorry, guys, this can't be this way. And I have to wonder, though, I. I just think about the the amount of time that a guy like defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr. has spent in the game, and if he thinks that you know, with with veteran players like Bobby Wagner and Quandre Diggs, and if and, and Carlos Dunlap up front, if he feels like he can he can put a lot on these guys, and and maybe he's wrong about that because what we've seen the last couple of weeks, this defense has crumbled, and especially in the second half, and I'm I'm a little bit frustrated about it, especially the way they played against the Vikings. They just they gave the offense no opportunity to even do much of anything in the second half. And then pile on top of that, just some of the conservative calls by Pete Carroll. Um, There's some frustration in Seattle, but you know what? I, I do have to wonder if there's some frustration in 49ers land with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback through three weeks.
1: Have you not heard the screams from Seattle? I mean, personally for me, my voice is going hoarse. I've been screaming to high heaven that Jimmy Garoppolo is limiting the offense, that he's he's giving you the same shaky, inconsistent play that you would get from Trey Lance or any other rookie without also giving you the upside, the spectacular plays, the high ceiling type of plays that you would get from or you would hope you would get from a player that you gave up three first round picks to draft third overall. So I've been screaming about it. So when you don't want to talk frustration, like I am at my wits end with this because I've seen this Jimmy Garoppolo movie and I know you've seen it and you know how it ends. And it's usually with a damn Seattle victory. Well, the weird thing is, is that it almost ended with a
0: 49ers victory this last week. You had bad Jimmy through most of the game and then it got to the fourth quarter and it was like Joe Montana, Jimmy entered the game and was just driving the team down the field. They end up taking the lead with just over 30 seconds left to go. And I know, I, I'm sure there's probably people saying, oh, well, they left too much time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. Well, holy smokes, people, they're down by a touchdown. What are they supposed to do? Kneel
1: at the one-yard line and then try and get in from with, with 30 seconds left to go? No, you got to take the lead at that point. The only criticism I had of them at the end of that game was, I think that, number one, Jimmy Garoppolo should have just waited a little longer to snap the ball. Like Once Mm. he snaps it and Kyle Juszczyk catches it, of course he should try and score. I agree with you. Going down at the one is ridiculous. And by the way, you can never assume a touchdown in the NFL, as we saw in Week 17 of the 2019 season. You ain't in until you're in, and sometimes you don't get there. My only criticism would be, in Jimmy's ear, I would have hoped that Kyle Shanahan would have said, run this play clock down before you snap the ball. And if he wasn't, Jimmy should have known by now that he should have done that. He's 30 years old, or he's going to be 30 years old. Like, he's been in the league long enough to know what's up. So I think they could have done that. But once the play goes off, you score when you score, and you have to have faith in your defense to do their job.
0: Well, how about the 49ers' defense through these first three weeks? So that's kind of been the uh, what was built to keep the 49ers in these games with Jimmy G still staying at quarterback. They gave up some points early to Green Bay, but obviously shut down Rodgers enough up until that final drive. What have you seen from the defense so far this year?
1: Well, I think the defense has been good enough. They're, we got to get 2019 out of our heads. They were a historically good defense. They gave up fewer passing yards that year than any Legion of Boom defense has ever given up. So they were better than the Legion of Boom against the pass in 2019. That is not the case this year, especially with the injuries that they've had. But honestly, I thought Aaron Rodgers just went God mode for most of that game. Like he was, his average time to throw was 2.3 seconds and he was still throwing the ball 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. That is amazing. And he was throwing it with accuracy too. It's not like all the corners were just getting blown away right off the snap of the ball. Sometimes you got to just tip your hat to the other guy and say, you know what? He went Superman on us and he absolutely did. Now, certainly, Russell Wilson is capable of doing the same thing. He can. We all know he can put the cape on like the best of them. But what gives me a little more hope this week, and you tell me if I'm wrong, when Russell Wilson makes big plays, it's not in less than two seconds it's actually the complete opposite it's when he's back there he looks he runs around and then he finds somebody that gets open to me that's going to give the 49ers pass rushers more of a chance to affect the play than they had against the packers where it was literally snap throw and there's nothing you can do there's times where if a team's all out
0: blitzing russ then you see him drop back and throw one of those floaters up to lock it or dk and and they run under it for for a big play. But yeah, you're right. Most of the time, it's the the big play comes when he's making guys miss. A guy gets open, and yeah, he finds Lockett or DK. So it's it's usually those receivers. And uh, Lockett, man, he gave us a scare this last week. It, you know, he was down on the field. It looked like he twisted his knee or ankle, kind of an awkward tackle. But he was able to come back and play the final drive, and and he did look okay. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that he's going to do well through this week. And and we'll see our normal Tyler Lockett back out there this week. And then DK, the first half of last game, he tore up the Vikings secondary. And then they either made some adjustment or, like I said, they just weren't on the field much at all in the second half game against the Vikings. And that it's it's a little bit worrisome to me based on we've seen now two games back to back where the Seahawks offense has struggled particularly in the second half, I thought with the Titans, it, it had more to do with, uh, with Russ struggling a little bit in the second half against the Titans, not so much in the second half against the Vikings. just, he, he didn't have the opportunity. So, uh, but either way, not a lot of scoring in the second half. And, uh, that that's a little bit concerning, but it's weird because stats, I, most of the time we're looking at Russ getting off to slow starts And
1: they've been absolutely
0: fire out of the gate these last two games.
1: Well, that's going to be a huge factor this week because the 49ers have been hideous in the last two games in the first quarter. Here's how bad it's been, Brandon. In the last two first quarters that the 49ers have played, first quarter against the Packers and the week before against the Eagles combined, the offense has 39 yards and one first down. So that's how pitiful it's been for the 49ers in the first quarter. They're basically playing three-quarter games, and if Russ comes out firing, like that is the exact wrong game script for the 49ers. They do not want to get down multiple scores early, They are not built to come back in games like that. I know they did it against the Packers, but there were some fluky circumstances that helped them do it, like a huge kick return. And the fact that they got two straight possessions, you know, one before halftime and then coming right out in the third quarter, the 49ers are not built to play from behind. So if the Seahawks can come out and go up 10 or 14 points early, that could be the end for the 49ers because their offense is just not consistent enough to come back when down double digits.
0: I like to hear that. I also like looking at the history between these two teams because Russell Wilson, when playing in Santa Clara, he's only lost twice in his career and that, oh, no, I'll take that back three times because his his very first game in October, 2012, and then the was the next year in 2013 and then the overtime game in 2019. But all those other games there, Russell Wilson has been getting the wins.
1: He always kicks our ass. He, he always beats the 49ers. You know, there's obviously there's always exceptions to every rule, but generally Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have owned us. And it makes 49ers fans mad when I say that, but it's true. Like, these are the facts and they are not in dispute. Go look at the results. They usually find a way to win. And as much as, you know, they might be struggling defensively, it just seems like in 49ers week, they flip the switch and they do enough to get it done.
0: There is going to be one record, though, that I'm going to be watching because a lot of current, well, somewhat current era 49ers have their top single game performances against the Seahawks. Frank Gore, he had 212 rushing yards against the Seahawks. That was back in 06, so that might not be current era. But Nick Mullins has the, Nick Mullins leads the 49ers in passing yards against the Seahawks in that 2018 game where he threw for over 400 yards. But Jerry Rice. This record hasn't fallen, and he had a 163-yard game against the Seahawks in 88. With this secondary, this is the the record that I'm worried about going
1: down. Well, the problem is, in order to do that, the 49ers are going to have to throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field, and they just... Refuse to do it. I believe Jimmy Garoppolo has one pass attempt or uh, one completion longer than twenty yards the entire season. Wow. They just don't stretch the field, and you could see it in how the Packers were defending them last week. People have taken screenshots of this and thrown it up on Twitter, just on the game broadcast film view. If you if you take a screenshot, all eleven defenders for the Packers are in the screen. Safeties, corners everything they're all there and it just goes to show they don't respect Jimmy Garoppolo's ability to throw it deep and they don't think that he's going to because they're just up at the line of scrimmage and that affects the run game it makes all the pat the shorter passes harder to complete you know it there's ripple effects there and so if that record's going to go down something's going to have to change for the 49ers and it hasn't so far through 3 games
0: I hear you when you say that there's nothing to worry about when it comes to throwing down the field, but I'm, I'm still concerned about the ability of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to pick up a lot of yards after the catch. But let's keep going, and coming up next, I've got another aspect of this game I want to ask you about, and then I'll flip it over to you. What are some of the things that 49ers fans are wanting to know about this game? We'll hit all that coming up next. The first matchups within the NFC West are coming up this weekend. We are looking forward to the 49ers and the Seahawks. And stats, with the Shanahan offense and the 49ers, the run game is always an important dynamic to talk about. Plus, you have the added dynamic of Trey Lance coming in to run some plays. What have you seen from the run game so far this season?
1: I've seen a whole lot of bad. That's what I've seen. Raheem Mostert lasted four snaps for this team, and since then, no matter who they've put in there, it has not been very good. Uh, whether it's you know a couple of rookies in Trey Sermon or Elijah Mitchell, Jamichael Hasty got in there for a little, but he got hurt. They just have not been able to get it going on the ground, and I think part of the reason is what I just talked about. So many of the defenders are, are so close to the line of scrimmage, there, there are more people there available to make the tackle on these plays. And they just have not been able to put it together. It's been very ineffective, and it's really stalling out the rest of the offense because Kyle Shanahan's whole game plan orbits around the run game. And when that can't get going, that means the play-action pass can't get going. And everything flows off of that, all the disguises and stuff that they do. If you can't get the first thing to work, nothing else works.
0: And obviously, that close, that close to being 3-0 and coming into this week what do you think has to change then for shanahan to make that switch over to lance
1: i don't know because like i said before you're getting all the bad potentially bad stuff from jimmy garoppolo and none of the good and so if he hasn't decided to make the change by now i don't know what what else could happen to make him change other than they keep losing Because, you know, maybe that's what pushes him over the edge because that's what everybody says when they defend Jimmy G. Look at his record. Look at his record. Well, if that record starts to change, maybe, but it's not like his play has changed. He is the same quarterback that he has always been with the 49ers. So if, if you're just looking at outcome, I guess that would do it. But to me, the time is, well, the time has passed since, I mean, he should have been the starter from the second he was brought in, but... Well, how realistic is that outcome, though,
0: that there is some kind of significant losing streak when you when you kind of forecast the schedule going ahead? Are there is there any big stretch to where you're extra concerned?
1: Well, they're kind of in it now. I mean, they played Green Bay last week, Seattle this week. Then they go to Arizona the week after that. Like that is a stretch of three games that is not going to be easy for the 49ers. And Jimmy Garoppolo, to his credit, has never lost two games in a row. But. After the Cardinals game, it's the Colts, then they have a bye week, and then they play Chicago. So a lot of people are speculating maybe during the bye week they make the switch. You know, a lot of times teams like to do that to give the backup, you know, an extra week to, to learn things and prepare and get chemistry with the, with the players. But if the 49ers, I mean, we're going to learn a lot more about them by the end of that Cardinals game. So we could see something there.
0: He hasn't lost two games in a row. I don't know if Russell Wilson's ever lost three games in a row. He
1: has not ever <laughs> lost three in a row. Neither has Pete Carroll, in the obviously. So one Russell's of these streaks there. is going to
0: end this week. Although, gosh, I, I feel like we face those streaks every single week uh, this
1: season so far, and it hasn't come out in our favor. But uh, hopefully this week. What happens to the Seahawks? Let's say, for the sake of argument, that the Seahawks lose this game. Sure. Then they go to 1-3 and three on the season. They'll have obviously. Then they have the Rams coming up on
0: a short week the next week on Thursday night. That's gonna be a tough game. It's at home though. What is the panic level if Seattle loses this game? Well, I think some Seahawks fans are hitting it already, just forecasting (laughs) (laughs) ahead with the with the 49ers and the Rams on the schedule next. After that, I think it eases up based on how we've seen Pittsburgh playing, New Orleans. Uh, And and then they have Jacksonville before their bye week. So I I wouldn't hit the panic button until I I hit the bye week and I see what the Seahawks record is at that point. Now, if they lose even three out of the next five games and they only have three wins going into that bye week, then, yeah, I I think that's going to be a, a, a week where Seahawks fans are asking a lot of questions. I'm already hearing it with the defense. Ken Norton Jr., uh, a lot of calls for him. But I think the heat is even, it's going to ramp up even more on Pete if you're looking at that type of record. But I, I also think that this is a team, we've seen them turn around things in the past. They have a lot of that same personnel that have allowed them to turn it around, especially in the second half of last season. So if it is a schematic thing and some of the players are starting to question that outwardly, for one, that's not something we see a whole lot from a Pete Carroll coach team. So in on one hand, it has me concerned that they're not keeping it in-house like they have in the past. But at the same time, generally, they they resolve these issues and, and figure it out moving forward. So, you know,
1: you can put your glasses half full, uh, half empty hat on and, and look at it both ways. I wanted one of the Seahawks games to be early in the season once I found out they were changing offensive coordinators because... No matter who you are, you're going to be better at something the longer you do it. And it takes time to learn a new system. No matter how much you study in the offseason, it it takes time for everybody to gel. So I was thinking, hey, let's get the Seahawks early in the year. Maybe they won't have their, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted when it comes to this offense. After three games now, do you feel like you're starting to see the offense come together? Do you still feel like there's hiccups there? Where does that stand?
0: There are some hiccups. We we've seen good things, I think, through three quarters and not so great things through the other three quarters of these uh, these first games. So uh, or halves, I should say. Yeah, I, I think that the way the plan that they have coming out with Shane Waldron and Russell Wilson, it's worked really well to start these games. But after halftime, you wonder if there's issues with adjustments the The run game hasn't gotten going quite as well as I'd, I'd like to see it, especially when they've got a lead. And, uh, and so you hear Pete Carroll talking about how in that Tennessee game they got up to the big lead and then they weren't able to hold it where you would have thought up big against the Titans that they'd be able to run out a lot of clock, not able to do it, it allows that Tennessee offense back in the game. And they did it running the football. So that was concerning with... Especially when they have the weapons that they do at wide receiver, they and and really they've struggled with uh, with those good wide receivers now for the last couple weeks. Now, is that a part of facing better than mediocre quarterbacks in Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill? Is this going to be a Seahawks defense that, as long as the quarterback is you know mediocre or worse, that the defense does well? That's where I have my questions, I guess, more than the, I, the on the offensive side of the ball with the coordinator, where I, I do think that they can work some of those things out as they move through the season. Well, you're facing another mediocre quarterback this week, so <laughs> that's see, that's why I've got a little bit of hope. But but we've also seen that he could be good at times too. So,
1: uh, gosh, man. <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way. If I told you you could choose, would you rather face Jimmy Garoppolo this week or Trey Lance? Oh yeah, I think we talked
0: about this in the preseason. I, I would absolutely rather face Jimmy Garoppolo. Go with the guy that you know and the guy that is known for turning the ball over in some situations, you know, randomly. Whereas with Trey <laughs> yep. Lance, uh, you know, there's he has that history at least of protecting the football and you know just the added dynamic of the run game that he brings. I would, I would be concerned with the Seahawks defense Now They've been okay against the run usually, but, um, you know, they, they've had, well, they didn't have to worry about Dalvin cook last year or last week, but Madison still got him, And then Derrick Henry the week before. So, but they did bottle up Jonathan Taylor. So I do think though, that Lance gives the 49ers that added dynamic of really allowing them to get the run game going, which is going to open things up for the receivers.
1: That is the most maddening thing to so many 49er fans is we feel like we all can see what would happen or what opportunities might be there, except the most important person and the only person that matters. And that's Kyle Shanahan. For whatever reason, he has seemed hesitant to do it. And it's one thing when your team struggles, right? Like, that, those are always frustrating. But when your team is struggling and you feel like there's a backup or there's help that's currently on the roster already and they are voluntarily not using that help, then your frustration just goes to a whole other level because you feel like there's no excuse for this. You see what's happening. Why aren't you making the move? And that's where the 49ers are. And it's it's frustrating for me as well because... I feel like this is Russ's last year in Seattle. So now is the take this year to get Lance up to speed, right? And then when Russ leaves next year, now you're in a good spot here. Now you can really challenge the Rams and you're you're ready to go for 2022. Hey, I don't think
0: Russ is going anywhere. In fact, if it's if it turns out to be a disaster type season, it's going to be Pete leaving and Russ staying and and that's how they'll they'll handle that really? situation. I, well, if they, you know, if if things continue to go the way that they go, and we're starting to see these things on offense, and the it, and it's the defense that can't hold. This is Pete Carroll's defense. Everybody gets mad at Ken Norton Jr. Uh, for coordinating the defense, but this is Pete Carroll's defense, and they've really struggled to identify the the types of corners that um you know that in the past. That's why you allow. A guy like Shaquille Griffin to leave because you can find those guys and for it to be DJ Reed has been okay to start the season. Now he's coming off some injuries and again, he didn't have a preseason, but he was good last year. And then Trey Flowers is Trey Flowers once again. So they did pick up Sidney Jones from the Jaguars in a trade at the start of the season. I'm kind of curious to see if we're going to see some Sidney Jones, if things continue to not go well. Uh, but, you know, we've spent a lot of these, this time talking about the corners, and we haven't talked about one of the biggest weapons for the 49ers, which is George Kittle. And I'm curious how they're going to cover Kittle with Jordan Brooks in his second season uh, has struggled uh, these first couple weeks, especially in coverage. And all the talk of acquiring Jamal Adams as, you know, a type of guy that you could use against a guy like George Kittle. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering how they're going to handle this because that's a big part. And gosh, when I was watching the 49ers offense move down the field against the Packers, it was all these dump off plays to Kittle. And he's just pushing guys to the ground and climbing over them and and going
1: down the field. Kittle is a wizard because he makes yards appear where there are none. I talked to, I mean, you just mentioned it. It's short dump offs and he just breaks like three tackles and picks up six or seven yards. And let me just say as a 49er fan, please Please put Jamal Adams on George Kittle. Kittle will eat his lunch. Jamal Adams can't cover anybody. He just can't. Like, come on. He's great at at playing up close to the line of scrimmage, and he can pressure the quarterback, but his main job is coverage, and he can't do it. Am I wrong on that? Well, I don't think it's his main job. You don't see him do a ton of it. (laughs) So... He's I a think, safety.
0: I, he plays more of that that linebacker type position that we saw from Cam Chancellor, and they just they use him for for blitzing a little bit more in run defense. He's been outstanding. So I think there's other reasons that you have Jamal Adams on your team apart from coverage. But yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of his coverage ability, from what we've seen so far this season, it has not been great. But again, it's it's when he's mismatched. I think on wide receivers.
1: Versus a tight end, I, I'm I'm curious to see it. I'll I'll tell you that much. Well, that's why the 49ers need to get more aggressive, right? Because if you try to do those dump offs and stuff to Kittle, that's playing into Jamal Adams' strength. He's he he can stop those plays or at least affect them. He you're not you're not. Using the matchup to your advantage, unless you're challenging Jamal in coverage, sending Kittle down the field, maybe on some choice routes or just any kind of route deeper down the field, you would like to think that, you know, the highest paid or close to the highest paid tight end in the league is going to win those battles. But I just hope that that that's what the 49ers do, because if they throw it short, they're playing into Adam's hands.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun game to watch coming up on Sunday. Any predictions about this game?
1: I just did my 49ers podcast for the week literally before we hopped in here, and I had to give a score prediction, and it's going to make people mad. I think we're going to see more struggles from the 49ers offense. I think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo, who seems to struggle against this Seahawk defense, he's going to continue that. And unless they want to switch it up and give Lance significant playing time, I don't see what changes with this offense. And I just have more confidence in Russell Wilson to make one play in a close game than I do Jimmy Garoppolo. So I predicted Seahawks 24, San Francisco 20.
0: It's predicting a one score game is I, I just based on how this has gone for these past, what, five games? Working backwards, you know, 26 23 last year, 37 27, that's one anomaly. But then the three games before that, all one possession games. The, the other two were overtime games. So this, I, I do think it's going to be a close game. So whoever has that ball last, I, I feel like is going to have the advantage in this game. And I, I kind of hope it's Russell Wilson because we didn't see a workout in overtime against the Titans. But uh, that means I think that there's something good coming around the corner. So I, I would like to see Russ have the ball last and uh, take it down the field against the Niners to,
1: to close this game. That is literally the exact situation that I want to avoid. (laughs) Like, I would be terrified, even if it was just 30 seconds like we just
0: saw. But again, I'd be terrified if it's our Seahawks defense that's trying to defend even, you know, say what you want about Garoppolo, but all the other weapons that he has around him. I'm worried about those just dump off passes once the defense is worn down in the second half that Kittle's just going to go. You know, bowling over dudes and and so that's that's my concern if the Niners have the ball last in the game.
1: What's your final score prediction?
0: I, I think a low scoring game is is probably right. I'm gonna go gosh, I'll go 27 24 just because low scoring games now in the NFL are under 30.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, not for the 49ers. <laughs> they they can't get 30 points. It's so frustrating. <laughs> oh. Well, right. we will see. He is Rob Stats Guerrera at Stats on Fire.
0: You mentioned your preview show. If the the Seahawks fans want to go and check out and, and hear what you guys had to talk about going into this game, where do they go to check it out?
1: You can go to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. My show is the Gold Standard Podcast. It comes out every Thursday for you. It'll be there. It'll be a lot of complaining about the 49ers, so you might like it.
0: <laughs> I, I will have to tune in. And, yes, if uh, those of you on Niners Nation want to check out the Field Goals Podcast, we do a unique preview show where we ask a lot of what-if questions right at the end of the week. So be sure and check that out. Fieldgoals.com. Click on the podcast button or you can subscribe to any SB Nation shows. SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Stats, thanks for coming on and I am looking forward to the game on Sunday.
1: Thank you. Anytime.